Well, hello and welcome to our first Q&A session, a quiz session. I'm Arfan Firuzi and we are here on this Earth Day. So happy that Earth Day as well. And with me is Zayan Qureshi. Zayan Qureshi, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Zayan Qureshi. I'm 14 years old and I always had a love for animals. But uh, just recently, I have taken a deeper look into the natural world. And I'd love to explore more of the amazing beauty of nature. And of course, Zayan is among the founders with myself of the Wildlife Focus. And uh, we'll get you back very, very soon. So we are going to speak about questions, uh, main questions that are being asked us. But before we, we get to that point, let's first understand why are we, you know, all, ac- all around the world celebrating our day? Why are we having this, this unique day today? What is the importance of biodiversity and nature? Of course, as we know it, um, nature is everything that is, you know, exists in a natural way and, and is linked with different ways. There is decay of the animals and it, you know, everything is recycled there, everything is used, reused. And uh, I think the main importance of the natural world is that it sustains life. It sustains life of all forms, including human beings. Human beings themselves depend on nature very much for everything that we do. From the food we eat, to the air we breathe, to the water we drink, all of our actions depend on nature. Now, of course, the nature also depends on its biodiversity. The biodiversity is among the most powerful forces in the natural world. And of course, it has got many different links. Apart from the biodiversity, we have got the most powerful source that is also the sun, all of which act together to help our unique planet function. Now, talking about biodiversity, biodiversity is the variety of life on Earth, the biological diversity. and. Um, you know, if you look at the natural world, let's say, an, let's say, an ecosystem, for example. If you look at that, we, we can understand and we can see that um, they are surrounded with life. And without the biodiversity, plants and fungi, animals, um, all these things, the ecosystem itself cannot thrive. And um, we are putting our bio- biodiversity at risk with many different actions, with climate change poaching, um, overfishing, and, and, and much more, which Zayan will get into more of a detail. So biodiversity is really important. Biodiversity means, you know, plants and animals and, and all these creatures. And with their help, we can fight against the, the environmental problems, climate change, um, plastic pollution, and, and the sustainability. Because the more biodiverse our planet, the healthier it is. And of course, the easier we can fight against climate change. Now, speaking about nature, I've been researching on animals and plants for the past six years. And I've got some specimens as well that um, I'll be sharing with you after some time. So, looking at nature, you know, people always ask me a very common question. What was your interest at first when you came in the field? And uh, the question is always simple. I tell them that since our childhood you know in our childhood we all all of us love the natural world and um, the main question that appears is that why it's it's not that why i love nature it is why that we have lost that feeling and that love and we don't care about nature at all now but that doesn't mean that let's say if we are living in civilized areas living in cities far away from the natural world we are not linked with it the natural world links with us in, in, in every different way, you know, it, it touches us in every single way. And uh, the natural world is there on our doorsteps, it's on, it's on our, in our homes, and, and there are animals everywhere. So it's not that how I have been interested to join the natural world. It is about how we have lost that important feeling with nature. And the second point is if I want to get to that question, of course, that how I was inspired to speak about nature. It is a very long story. I was interested in nature from, of course, the very childhood. I used to be a child, all my to- toys used to be um, animals or, or plants. And I used to make my, for myself zoos and jungles. And I've got, for example, if you can see books also here about, about animals too. And apart from that, I think the main inspiration that made me want to take action, made me want to you know, 
change the world, make make the, make the world understand about the natural world, is that the the damage I saw that people are having in the natural world, and uh, that includes, for example, the areas near to my house. I'm seeing people, you know, plucking out jellyfishes from the oceans, throwing them outside because of fear of being stung, overfishing, the the destruction of habitats that I've seen, and also the the populations of animals, such as the most common, the the rhinoceros beetles. That their population is, you know, going down. Their size is decreasing. Their size of their horns is decreasing. So all these things inspired me to take action. And apart from that, I was mainly inspired by Sir David Attenborough. The amazing work he does, the feeling he puts in his work, is is important because, of course, if we don't understand the natural world, we can never save it. Because first comes understanding. By understanding, we'll understand why to care, and when we care, we can save our planet. The next common asked question that that people ask me is that you you take your friends or relatives or different people to to areas where they go and catch lizards or or animals. Where do you find these animals? And that's a question which I rather laugh at it because um, the natural world surrounds us all. You know, if, if if given the chance, the natural world can recover in the most extraordinary way. But again, the chance needs to be given before it gets too late. And nature is all around us. You know, it is it is it is right on our faces as as face mites. Most of us have heard it. Outside in in, in parks, you know, we, we we may not know it, but birds are hunting there. Spiders, beetles, and of course, everywhere, moths and butterflies. All of them are are animals. You know, and and if there are a particular species in in your area, let's say, flies or mosquitoes, there must be a creature that is there that that feeds on it. But of course, due to the noise pollution people create, such as um, the ones by cars and such, you may not see, let's say, bats in your areas. But they are there. They may come out at at night when you know there's not much noise. But they are there. Even lizards also, when when there are mosquitoes and flies, the, the lizards that prey on them are also there. But due to you know human beings going and catching them, and um, scaring them with with torches and all these things, as soon as they see a human, they just they just go and hide. But the natural world is is really unique. It surrounds us all. It's everywhere. We just have to understand where to look for it, protect it, and understand it. Because once we understand how to protect it, the natural world will replenish in extraordinary powers. And um, of course, I've seen that myself. I've got some live specimens here: carcass beetles, earwigs, um, geckos, and all these things I've already seen on my social media stories about all these animals that I've got. So each of them, you know, when I gave them the chance to recover, of course, all of them were sick when I found them. They, they recovered in the, in the most almost extraordinary way. But again, we have to understand to live with nature, rather than against it. You know, we have to understand that whatever we must do, we must link it with nature. Everything that we do must, you know, go back to nature. It must not, you know, destroy nature. The same way, let's say, a bone, for example, you know, let's say the Arabian gazelle skull behind me. The way it decomposes in its environment, and 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 the way it helps the environment is truly inspiring. Of course, the 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 Arabian gazelle itself, you know, feeds on uh, different plants there, like golf trees and such, keeping them short and leaving a pathway in which different animals can rest and different can, animals can enjoy the shade. And apart from that, when they die, um, their bodies get absorbed into the environment. Cactus beetles swarm them, and after a very long time, when they are when their bones are baked. Their bones itself turns into sand, so you can see that how everything goes back to nature. But in stuff, but for us, let's say for plastic pollution, it, it never goes away. You know, whatever we put in the oceans, whatever we put in the natural world, it comes back to us. And it's not that okay, we are throwing it in nature, and we are not near to nature. Doesn't affect us. Plastic pollution is the is the worst among all the pollutions, let's say, because scientists believe that by 2050. There could be more plastic than fish in the oceans, and that's a warning for us. We may not all know it, but maybe you or even I have got microplastic in us. Where does the microplastic come from? It comes from the fish that we eat. Plastic never goes away. Once it ends up in the oceans, it is it is eaten by different creatures, turtles, um, many many creatures, a, a whole diversity of creatures. And um, once they die, suffocate from the p- plastic, that again, the, the whole animal decays. 
but that that very very you know plastic is again released into the atmosphere released into the oceans and so again it's eaten by another fish after a long time it turns into microplastic small small pieces you know and that that comes back to us it's not like the, the story of the arabian gazelle it comes back to us so we must understand that we must you know live with nature because nature is not extraordinary it is it supports our very lives it supports our our, our very lives and um, we depend on it more than anything else now i pass it on to zian to tell us exactly why you know what are the problems that that our planet faces and what exactly can we do to save it so i am here to speak about why earth is important to us and uh, how how can we save it and what it, what's the problems it's facing so one of the first problems that earth is facing is biodiversity loss it's creating a huge impact to earth and it's because of us humans which is actually pretty sad and the loss of biodiversity is destroying the whole ecosystem and it can harm us as well it won't just harm the animal species but us as well but there are some ways which in which we can prevent it for example by recycling by not polluting much and by recycling our items it won't harm the animals as they won't consume the waste by being sustainable will also help us another huge problem as irfan said is plastic pollution it has affected millions of marine animals and the oceans as well the plastic bag or bottle or any item will turn into microplastics and then the fish will eat the microplastics and us humans consume the fish so basically the fish which ate the plastic which the plastic which is chewing the ocean is coming back to us in our belly and basically the plastic in our stomach is harmful not towards us but towards the fish as well plastic takes 450 years to decompose according to recent studies and the fish that have plastic in them will shorten their lifespan and will die and then the other marine animals will feed off the fish or any marine animal then they have the microplastics in them and the cycle keeps going and this leads to biodiversity loss the solution for this is to completely ban plastic from your life even if you see one plastic bottle or bag or whatever plastic item it is in the beach and you just pick it up and simply chuck it in the bin it will help lots of animals that means you have saved at least tens of animals 10 animals in the ocean so if you see any plastic anyone throwing plastic please just tell them that plastic pollution is not good towards us humans and the biodiversity in the ocean another one is deforestation loss of trees and other vegetation can cause climate change desertification soil erosion fewer crops flooding increased greenhouse gases and uh, host of problems for us us all us humans you can stop deforestation by sim- by using eco-friendly products eating sustainable foods recycling more and conserving water and energy which can help to completely stop deforestation now one question which i would is get how how were you interested in wildlife and what can we do to save it so i said the all solutions must apply and we can save nature and wildlife and the earth and what inspired me to wildlife is not the wildlife itself but the thought as it was and the thought for the importance of it so yeah So I pass it on to everyone. Thank you very much, Dayan. Really, um, great to hear what what you're speaking about. So, talking about plastic pollution that you spoke earlier, what do you think that we can do to save the planet against plastic pollution?
and of course about the other threats that our planet faces. Zian, can you hear me? Yes, say again. I was asking you, you spoke about plastic pollution, you know, about all the threats that our planet and the animals there faces. So have you got any idea about the dangers of plastic and all, and all these things? And, and what, we can, what can we do to, you know, avoid plastic in our lives and, and save our oceans? Number one, we must completely ban plastic. Most countries uh, have to ban plastic from uh, all the citizens' life, and then, yeah, we will not use plastic much, which will help animals and us. That way, we, we will um, be more sustainable towards wildlife. I completely agree with you, but of course, for the people who are here and the people who are be listening to this later, um, it's you may ask, why do animals eat plastic in the first place? You know, is uh, is it that they find it, they think it's food or it's some, something like that? But it's not actually that's, that's not the case. When, when animals eat plastic, you know, it's, it's a whole long story behind it. When algae grows around plastic, of course, the, the krill there, these small crustaceans that even whales uh, eat, go and eat that, that particular algae. And eating that algae, those krill produce a chemical called as dimethyl sulfide. And that attracts many animals from uh, fishes to turtles um, to the, the albatrosses, birds, seabirds, and all these things. And, and, and what happens there is, instead of the animal actually feeding on the krill, the animal itself actually feeds on the plastic. So it's not that animals are dumb that they're eating plastic. It is that the plastic smells like food and doesn't run away. And apart from that, um, we have seen dolphins as well playing with plastic, you know, and that's also a very dangerous thing. And whales, turtles, many of them, you know, are eating plastic. But apart from plastic, you know, talking about the problems in the oceans, another big threat to, to the oceans is um, ghost, ghost nets, you know. When they are left in the oceans, they, they can drag many species to the brink of extinction. Turtles, sawfishes, sharks, all of them get trapped in that, in that ghost gear, you know? And uh, that also has having a devastating impact. It is that, you know, our teeth, it's not like, it's unlike this Arimeng uh, Gazelle, you know? It's not that teeth of a herbivore creature, right? It's not the teeth of this, if you can see it. It's not the teeth of this creature, you know? It is, it is not the teeth of a lion. It is a teeth of an omnivore, a teeth of, of, of a creature such as, let's say, a chimpanzee or such. So we are not meant to only eat meat or to eat plants. But of course, it doesn't mean that we have to eat everything that comes in our part as well. Everything that is good to eat, we can eat. But of course, a, a more plant-based diet is a much, much, much more healthier diet. Because, you know, if, if we talk about meat, red meat especially, Acres of forests in Brazil and different places are, are cleared to make farmland for beef and lamb and all these creatures. And this has led right now to a dramatic portion of mammals on earth to be about humans and their livestock. And I mean by that portion, 96% of the mammals on our planet today are us and the livestock that they have domesticated. And the main factor is, that 70% of all birds are that, that, that they have domesticated that include let's say chickens or bargeriggers and um, all these creatures and apart from that Zian, what can you say about invasive species let's say I've got a pet and I release it into the wild invasive species are mostly almost anywhere now especially in florida there are many invasive species for example the chameleon instead of utilizing the chameleon itself we can bring it as in sanctuaries or in uh, or we can keep them in uh, rehabilitation centers and uh, yeah exactly so as Jan spoke there are many many uh, invasive species going on across the world you know 
whether it's in let's say australia carbs for example or, or coefficients and such it's having a devastating impact on the planet a very 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 powerful one that includes invest species not only include animals and plants but it includes fungi and other creatures too for example the the um, species of toad I, I don't have the main country in mind um, is a spe- in this species in Australia and uh, repeat the cane toad right exactly the cane toad and, and and that's having a devastating impact on the environment Australia is a country biodiverse we know of it about kangaroos and and uh, koalas and all these exotic creatures and they are home to crocodiles and alligators snakes and all these things but the introduction of the cane toad brought a whole diversity of problems crocodiles dying alligators as well snakes fishes carnivorous fishes all these things when they feed on those cane toads you know because cane toads on their on their uh, poison glands they produce nasty nasty poison that's a big age they they predators and that is killing many creatures over there but there are creatures that are adapting and they are smart and uh, for example it is believed that because of the, the, the many elder fishes are dying due to cane toads the juveniles are learning not to go near to the tadpoles or the or the cane toads themselves and again the same thing is going on with alligators too they 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 juvenile they they may be alligators are actually learning not to avoid all these cane toads and apart from that they've got invasive plants as well um and and that include let's say any any plant that is not uh, you know native let's say in the uae gaff gaff trees are um, not invasive they are they are local trees but again introduction of let's say budgerigars and and different animals because of course people must not just go and buy their pets you know they should not go okay, okay uh, i love this pet so i'm going to buy it that's not the case at all you have to understand that before you get an animal you do perfect research on it understand its life cycle the space required how long, how big it grows and and all these things because people usually what the case is they see a beautiful animal for example a macaw or a paku fish or let's say a red tail catfish and and, and they go and purchase that particular animal and because they don't know how large grow it grows and how fast it grows at the end of the day they they leave it in, in the nearby lake or nearby pond and because those fishes are invasive species they are beyond 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 you know speech what happens is that the, the the local species will have to fight for food against they they are not only let's say the lionfish in the pacific ocean it it you know is in competition between the consumers and the, on the invest on the local species as well because they you know feed on them they feed on resources they feed on the species there and because they they have that perfect environment as invasive species they they breed more quickly than the local species and also they 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 feed on more resources on more fishes themselves and more native and more native species so talking about um, the the pets and what do you think about the 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 thing that i said about um, you know invasive species as per the people that are buying their pets yeah invasive species come through pet trade many people they buy the pet and then they say we cannot keep it we cannot take care of it anymore and then they release it in the wild which causes invasive species invades the whole area where it is so when a person buys a pet he has to understand that he has to do full research and he you should have the whole all resources and he should understand the animal how to keep it and then he should buy the pet exactly i agree with you now sir what do you think about climate change have you seen yourself you know any changes happening in today environment and, and all these things what do you think about global warming and climate change by climate change myself in my experience i i have been on adventures you could say to find rhinoceros beetle with you as you know so we have seen that there is a huge impact on the population of rhinoceros beetles earwigs slugs and many other creatures their populations have decreased and uh, that's because of climate change 
Yes, I exactly agree with you because I remember that day it was around five six months back, I believe. Exactly. And it is exactly correct as you said. Uh, insects are mostly affected by by climate change. And think of insects. Most people will be like, "Oh my God, insect gross creatures. They are they are you know they are not important for us, but they are they they, they are very much." And uh, insects like us human beings, um, when when they have a lot of heat on them, they get heat stroke. And they can kill them, and that include butterflies, bees, and 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 much more diversity of creatures. And it is very important to address climate change as soon as possible. And there are many ways in which we can do. We can have at least no car days in the week. Let's say a day where we spend our time out the outdoors, you know, in a park or in your balcony, offing all the lights and not driving cars. And apart from that. You can you can understand to you know off your lights and off your devices when you don't need them. And, and yes, so the impacts of climate change on insects is is a dramatic one. Bees, in return, you know, pollinate a lot, a lot of plants, and each plant has its own language, has its own way of attracting its particular pollinators. Some cacti, for example, depend on bats to pollinate them. And some also smell like rotting fruits, their flowers. And uh, the same goes for different species of plants, as Lafrisia, which smell like, you know, the dead meat. Plants are very really important. Not only they supply us with oxygen, not only with habitats for different creatures, but with, for the very food we eat. Where does our cucumber or, or carrots, tomatoes, and all these comes from? It all comes from the insects. If there are no insects to pollinate these plants, we are doomed. Because without plants, without without bees themselves, plants cannot survive. And um, you know, it, 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 we have to understand of protecting insects. And uh, in that way, it means, of course, there are some insects that are that are pests, like such as um, common home cockroaches or or flies and mosquitoes. Apart from that, we have to learn to protect those species that are not as pests, which help the environment. Earwigs, spiders. Beetles, all these things dramatically affect the environment. Like, if you remember, Zayan, rhinoceros beetles feed on, uh, you know, plants, right? So, a plant decaying, if the rhinoceros are not there, uh, it'll take much more longer for them, you know, to decay. And of course, the leaves themselves, when a leaves falls from the trees in the month of, let's say, autumn and winter, that leaf itself, in the process of decomposing, produce a lot of carbon dioxide. And it is also proven that by recycling those leaves, we can make paper. So rather than cutting down trees, we can use the leaves that fall from them. And um, so it is very important. Climate change also having an impact on on amphibians. A fungi, secret fungus, is affecting many amphibians of different types. And how it affects those amphibians is truly extraordinary, because those amphibians, once the fungi comes on them, they lose their ability to absorb nutrients. And oxygen and and all these nutrients from the from the water, so instead of having that semi-permeable skin, the skin easily comes off, and that kills them. And talking about climate change, then, what do you think about overfishing? Let's say overfishing when you when you fish overfishing basically means when you fish a lot of fishes. So that when you fish unnecessarily, that's The fishes are uselessly dying, so you're basically killing the fishes on purpose, and they are being eaten by us humans. And they have plastic pollution, like they have microplastics in them, as we talked about plastic pollution. And yeah, I cannot agree with you more. Of course, we are catching more fish than we can eat, you know, because fishes, unlike other meaty organisms or other, let's say, like chicken or beef. The, the the flesh of a fish and sea animals gets decomposed and gets uh, infected with bacteria very very fast, and people are catching fishes every single day, huge amounts, tons and tons of fishes. And let's say if if you look at the fishes caught, let's say 50 years ago, we can see that the the fish caught today, the same species, used to be caught this much in size in olden times, but because you are catching those fishes that are able to breed. We are risking of losing our fish stocks. People are catching all these fishes, right? And then there's not much for them to breed. 
and people have to understand that they can catch fish sustainably by the demand of their population, not to overfish, that you know, most of it will end up being thrown away, decomposed, or, or spoiled. But catch the right amount of fish, the right age of fish, and the right size. Small fishes such as this won't cover any of the nutrients that we need. So we have to let fishes be where they are and catch them on the right age after they are bred so you know they can spread all around. And we can actually open marine reserves, protect the areas in marine life that can help sharks, help different species recover. And they are talking about all these problems. I'm going to ask you about the last um, point, then you can speak about anything that you like. What do you think about poaching? Poaching of rhino, rhino beetle, uh, rhino um, Cerus horns, the northern white rhino, or um, pangolins, and all these creatures. What do you think about poaching? Pangolins and rhino's horns have a material called a nutrient called keratin, which can be found in our fingernails and hair. So basically, when someone chainsaws the rhino's horn, it kills the rhino and is also useless to us because it doesn't help us in any way. Same for pangolins. They, they, uh, Shells are made up of keratin. So we are killing the pangolin and making the species extinct as well as the rhinos. And it does not help us in any way. Same for Siberian tigers. They, they are being killed for the meat, for, exp for expensive meat and for medicine, which are once again no use to us. Exactly. The rhino horns being so expensive, the, the pangolins also being the most trafficked animal. Just in every use of medicine. They are the same materials that our fingernails are made of. If it was like this, it would, people would ask us, have a jar, correct your fingernails in it so we can make medicine out of them. That's impossible. There's no any proven, you know, medicine value. But because of money, those animals are dying. Already the, 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 the northern white rhino, I believe it was, that is going extinct. There are only two that remain. That's dangerous. Many, many fishes are going, many different species of animals are going extinct due to human activities. That include um, the, the, the Caspian tiger, the golden toad, uh, bowhead guitar fish. All these things are going to execute to human beings. We have to understand how to save them. Saving them is, is our duty, you know, because they were here for a very long time. You know, we, we just appeared on earth not, not long ago. And, and, and we need them to survive. Polar bears in different parts of the world, we need them. And Antarctica itself is a very important part on Earth. Antarctica reflects the heat and light that, that, that you know, comes, to the, comes to the Earth. So the larger the ice area of the um, Antarctica, the easier it is for it to reflect the heat and light that comes on our planet, the radiation that, that, that comes. But now with the climate change, greenhouse gases, things are going wrong. But again, we can't change it. Planting more trees. That, that's what the aim of the wildlife focus is. Planting more trees, raising funds to plant trees. And that we're going to do it pretty soon. Now, we, we spoke about the most important of, of all these environmental problems. But again, it's not that we cannot take action. It's not that there's no hope. Zayan and me and my, ourselves have seen that if we join our hands together, we can help save our planet. We can become the heroes of our own planet. What do you think, Zian? If we help our planet, we can be heroes of our planet, as you said. We can save Earth still. It's not the end. There's still a chance Earth can survive. And, then, and Earth needs our help. Exactly. By planting more trees, eating more plant-based diets, you know, helping the natural world, helping restore it, spending your time in the natural world, using less fossil fuels, will help save our planet. It is not too late. Right today, you all can stop using plastic. Plastic is nothing. It, it affects us badly as well. You can buy those, you know, the, the reusable uh, plastic bottles in which you can use again and again and again. And again, you can also have grocery bags made out of clothing that you don't need, which you can again use again and again. It won't end up in the nature. And once again, now we can get back to the questions that uh, our audience came out here. So you can begin asking your questions.
Okay, I have a question. Um, why do koalas sleep so much? That's indeed a very question. Zain, would you like to answer or should I? Yes, I can answer. So koalas eat. Their diet is mainly eucalyptus leaves, which have no energy at all. And by sleeping, they can make up the energy by for in, and eating eucalyptus leaves as well. So that's what makes koalas sleep almost the whole day. Exactly, eucalyptus leaves. You know, they are very very hard to digest, and you know it won't provide that much of energy. Let's say you are um, surviving with, let's say, the the rice that you eat or the chicken that we eat. It, it, it's it's all about that, you know. It takes a very long time for them to digest that eucalyptus leaves, and um, that won't give them enough energy. So that's why they spend most of their time eating or and sleeping. Uh, again, the same thing is for sloths as well, you know, because they're eating leaves, and leaves are pretty hard to digest because of their fibers, you know. They um, they sleep more than they are awake. But again, uh, it's of course one of the most important things that helps them, you know, avoid predators. They live above trees. Very easy to see them by predators. But because of the lack of movement and sleeping, usually of course the leaves again that they eat, they can easily stay, you know, away from the predators' eyesight for a very long time. Also, I have another question. Uh... What's the most venomous snake on planet Earth? Zian, would you like to answer this? You can go ahead and answer this one. So, talking about venomous snakes, you know, um, what is it that makes snakes venomous? Of course, it's a it's a protein that you know helps them in 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 you know killing humans or killing different creatures. But of course, they they don't just intentionally come and bite human beings. They mostly run until they are trapped. But again, um, it, it it breaks down white blood cells. The venom that is in the in in the in the snakes breaks down uh, white and red blood cells, making it you know avoiding it to clot, and that's what which kills it. It it, it makes a clot in the heart and heart attack and different different problems. So the most venomous snake, as you asked, is the Inland Typhon, and um, it is considered the most venomous snake in the world, and um, it's it's pretty cool, right? And and it is pretty extraordinary. But again, you won't be, you know, tagged or or, or um, bitten by any snake until you are not too close and you appreciate them from a safe distance. So yes, Hamdan, as I mentioned earlier, snake venom is, is pretty powerful, you know. It contains um, complex, complex mixtures of, of enzymes and proteins of various sizes. And then include amines, um, lipids, um, nucleosides, and carbohydrates. And, and the venom is contained various metal ions that are, you know, presumed to act as, you know, Co-factors and include sodium or, or, or um, calcium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. And, and and it's pretty extraordinary, you know, that such 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 things can easily kill a human being or indeed even larger creatures. So Ethan, you can ask your next question. Okay, I have another question. I've seen your catch many uh, extraordinary uh, creatures in your channel. So what's the most rarest species of an animal you have ever caught or caught? Rarest species of animal I've ever caught. Let's let's have Zan answer first until I think. That's a tough question. Hmm. That's actually a good question. No, Zan, what do you think? What is the rarest animal you have seen or caught? Might be the earliest gimmick, but I'm not quite sure if it's the rarest. Very well. So, I think thing of the rarest is that you said I've caught, right? Or you said I've preserved, or you said I've seen. Caught. Caught. Very well. I think the 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 hardest one was, of course, finding the Arabian gazelle scarf. This one. 
This is the hardest. And I called, I, I think around when I found it, December 11, 2020. But I think the rarest that made me uh, jump out of my skin, let's say, was the eagle skull, I think so. Because um, the eagle itself is, is, is um, linked, I think, vulnerable um, in different areas and it's pretty rare. It's a greater spotted eagle and, and, and pretty cool. So I think this one is the rarest creatures that I, that I found. And again, uh, even this also is the rarest. It's a coral reef. And um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a rare find because I, no one goes diving and bring out bleached coral reef. Um, the coral is, um, of course, a sp the species. It is the symmetrical brain coral. It was, it was found January 3rd, 2020. So yes. Now, Zian, what do you think um, about snake venom? He brought the idea of snake venom. It's it's pretty interesting. What do you think of snake venom? Yeah, snake venom is something that that infects your plant immediately, depending on the species. So if the snake bites you, you can you have to rush to the hospital and take all precautions. Exactly, very well. But people are now here interested. What should I do when I'm bitten by a snake? I've not been bitten by a snake so far, <laughs> and uh, hopefully I will not get bitten. But uh, yeah, so of course the, the way um, venom acts on the body is of course it clots the, uh, clots the blood as you said. And the venom actually punches, you know, holes in, in, in blood vessels, causing them to leak. And it's pretty extraordinary, you know. And there is, there is nothing left for the stem to, to, to flow. And the, and the patient or indeed the, the prey bleeds to death. And other venoms can increase, you know, blood pressure or decrease blood pressure, preventing blood, preventing breathing or even creating it, you know. So yeah, snake venom is a pretty dangerous thing. So if you see a snake, water from a safe distance, avoid it. And that's the case for every animal. Yes, Amdam, what's your next question? Um... I've seen the gazelle skull and the eagle, so I was wondering where did you find it? That's a very nice question to ask. Um, people think of, I, I of course live in the UAE, same, same as Fuzian as well. And people think of okay, UAE as a desert, that it doesn't contain any life. But UAE itself is filled with a diversity of life, diversity of places. I found both of the um, skulls, both of the actually the, the um, Eagle skull I only found, but the Arabian gazelle, its whole body was, was there. I found in, in Al-Qudra lakes. It is a man-made lake, you know, that people have, that they are made to, you know, um, inspire ecotourism, you know, to introduce ecotourism. And it's a pretty extraordinary place. One of my favorite places in the world and in the UAE itself. And uh, it's filled with many different animals, you know. Going there as a visitor, you may not stay there till night. Or you may not go exploring like the same way Miozian does to do particular research. But um, it's filled with many creatures. Owls, geese, flamingos, ducks, gazelles, hedgehogs. I've seen hedgehogs myself there, you know, the utopian hedgehog. Beetles, beetles of all different types, darkling beetles, um, churchyard beetles, rack beetles. And of course, all diversity of beetles. Bees, yellow jackets. Mm, spiders and uh, let's say the, the camel spider for example different species of fishes koi fishes and um, pretty extraordinary diversity of life and think of that you may see you may not see eagle you know over there because eagles are very sneaky animals you know they are not found near human populated areas but it's pretty surprising i thought first this right was a falcon skull and zian as well remembers i asked him zian is this a falcon skull he said yes it is by going through the structure of the falcon's head, you know, I saw that, okay, falcon's head is much more rounded, much more chubby looking. But in this one is, is, is much more, you know, um, elongated. So it must be a vulture, but it must be an eagle. And I checked the species of eagles that was found in the way, looking at the, the only, only, the only proof I had was the bee color. And the closest related uh, species that I found was the greatest spotted eagle. So that's the whole story of it. And I found it on around um, October 29, 2020. That's not long ago, that's not even one year. And um, again, if I would have left this in the environment, it would have been you know, eaten by cactus beetles and recycled back into the environment. <laughs>
Yes, and I have a final question. Uh, what species of uh, the gazelle or the eagle was it? Uh, repeat your question. What species of the eagle was it? That's very. Zandi, do you know what is what the species it is? Do you know the scientific name? I don't know the scientific name, but I know it's a greater spotted eagle. Very well. I also don't know the scientific name by heart, but then I have to try to. Very well. It is called Aquila Klaga, right? Or people call it Klagat Klaga. Very, very strange name for a scientific name of a bird. And the Arabian gazelle, we have got the sand gazelle as well as the Arabian gazelle, but this one is the Arabian gazelle. This is the only, I think, uh, uh, the animal that I've got that I know its scientific name is the um, Gazella Arabica. So any, any other questions you have got about nature, about climate change, about what we can do to save Earth? Any questions that you have got to ask? Is there a most poisonous fish? Uh, Zayn, what do you think of that? There are many poisonous fishes. But then, uh, there are, but you cannot say what the most poisonous. You can name the species of this poisonous one, but there's no scientifically, uh, there's no scientific evidence of the most poisonous fish. That, that's also correct. That's also indeed correct. Because first of all, poison is, is different than venom, right? Poison is usually, you know, is, is a toxin that, that gets into the body while it's swallowing, inhaling, or let's say absorption to the skin. But venom, venom is, is much more of a specialized type of poison that, that has evolved, you know, for a specific purpose. It's actively, you know, injected via a bite or sting. So you can say a venom and a poison is much more different, you know. So we can say we have got a fish that is um, the most venomous, again, because it, it is injected by, st by, by stinging or biting, you know. So it's the most venomous fish. So, and it is, it is the reef stonefish. I've, I've not seen one uh, myself at all, but they are available, let's say, in the Dubai Aquarium in, in the Burj Khalifa. You can see them, um, the scorpion fishes there as well. And, and it has a remarkable ability, you know, to camouflage itself amongst the, the coral and the rocks around. And, and they've got pretty beautiful shapes. Like, they, they, they look exactly like a rock. And they can spend pretty huge amounts out of, out of water. Maybe I think it was 24 hours they can spend out of water for a fish. And it is, of course, not a prey, but an ambushed predator. It swallows its prey whole, right? So let's say... Um, Unfortunately, I don't have a fish here, but let's say if this is a fish, it will swallow it whole. So they're pretty extraordinary animals. And, and, and they don't bite. Their bite is not venomous. It's, it's what lies on their dorsal fins that is deadly. Same like lionfishes, for example. Now, you know, it, 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 it really swims. You know, it, basically, again, animals are not there. They're, they're not out there to bite you or sting you, you know. I think you're annoying them a lot that they're coming to do that. But then usually, like, they, they swim away when they're disturbed. But then if, if they're disturbed, you know, there are 13, yeah, 13 venomous spines along, the, along its back. And usually this happens when a person is walking along rocks, walking around coral reefs and these areas. And, and once you, you, you step on that fish, a huge, huge um, amount of venom is injected in your, in your feet via the slippers. And usually you wear proper, you know, covering when you're moving in, in a rocky area and coral reefs because everything which is beautiful can be deadly too. So yeah, this is the reef stonefish. And uh, by its name stonefish, you can tell that it camouflages really well with rocks or other stones. So they are easily mistaken for rocks and then they are stepped on and then they inject venom through the shoes or slippers or whatever the person is wearing. And it hurts the person and injects venom in them, and they need to rush to the hospital. Exactly. One example includes the power fish that I've got here. Right? I was about to say that I see a porcupine fish without behind you. Can you explain a bit about it? Exactly. So, porcupine fish. This one. This one is a long-spined porcupine fish, Didin holactus, right? And uh, I didn't collect this one myself. I received it from someone on April 18th. The person received this um, 
April 18, 1998. That's a long time. And, and what happens to these fishes is that they, they respond. People as believe it's not poisonous. It's just, it's just bone, you know. But imagine, Zayan, Hamdan, and the audience. Being a predator, biting on the thing, it's a fish. And it blows up in the mouth. So that, that's going to be painful. And if the spines don't work, it can, it can be many different, it can affect the body in many different ways. It has got, I think, a, its liver, I believe, it's, the, it's a poisonous part. That's even when, when, you know, the chefs are preparing power fishes, they, they are preparing with extra care. Because if they forget to remove a small piece of a particular um, organ, death is there. And um, of course, again, I, I don't ask people, the main theme of this quiz is to people ask their questions about nature, uh, about what they think of the natural world and everything. I don't want people to go and, you know, catch animals, you know, to, to just take videos of them, disturb animals, preserve animals. I don't want it at all. I want you to understand about the natural world. I want you to get close to it, you know, in, in a safe way. And in a way that you can protect it. Any other questions? I have one last and final question. How can we uh, stop uh, global warming, or global warming, or climate change? I think Zainu can answer this. You can go ahead and answer. Okay. Can you repeat your question, Hamdan? How can we stop global warming or climate change? That was a very good question. We cannot completely stop climate change. We cannot completely stop global warming. But we can slow it down. Climate change, of course, you remember, Zian, we made some videos and some events um, regarding climate change and uh, global warming last year. It's not that, okay, global warming is only happening today. It has been happening, you know, during the Ice Age, the time of dinosaurs. It has happened many times. And it has derived many species towards extinction. There have been five main extinctions on Earth. And um, right now we are on the sixth mass extinction. And talking about how we can stop global warming and climate change is before, you know, understand we cannot do anything. We have to understand about the natural world, you know, and, and, and that is the basic step we all can take. Basic, basic step in which all of us can take. Because, you know, once we understand about how the natural world works, why is it important, we will care about it eventually. And once that care is given, we'll go do some research. And there are many ways in which you can stop global warming. Eating more plants, because, you know, there are acres, acres of trees cut down due to creating farmland for, bee, for beef and, and, and um, lamb and all these things. And, and apart from that, um, planting more trees, planting any, any type of tree, you know, that lives long, is hardy and produces a lot of oxygen. Spending more time in the natural world, because that means, you know, you're taking your family and friends away from the daily, day to day life into the natural world where there is no Wi-Fi, where there is no social media, there's no light, there is no, um, there's no any human, human production there. So that means there is no car, there's no fossil fuel being burned, there's no electricity being wasted and all these things. And I think the best way in which we can help save the environment is avoiding waste. Waste of all types, waste of food, waste of water, waste of energy. If we save all those, plant more trees and, and, and learn about the natural world, try to help it, restore it, participate in ocean cleanups, participate in planting trees, participate in our conservation programs. We can help the planet because Zayn, you have seen yourself as well. We, nature has an extraordinary power of recovery, but the chance must be given on the right time. There's a question in the chat by Ms. Serene. How do you think we can attract more youngsters of your age towards taking up this concern of climate change and other issues that our mother it is facing? So I think how we can attract youngsters like children or kids by inspiring them about the fascinating nature and wildlife. How fascinating it is, how we can save wildlife. Why do we save wildlife? And what happens if we save wildlife? Exactly, that's the, the, the main point. And apart from that, I have 
at online sessions i have spoken in different different areas in seminars and all these places there are people there are children let's say who are interested in nature so it's easy you know for us to bring them in the field of taking action against climate change and saving our planet but people who are not interested we have to show them that this very puffer fish this very eagle is important for our daily lives it is important it is important to you it is important for me and usually the case is that it's everyone wants to save our planet people are like it's too late people are not interested usually when i tell people that, okay i'm researching on amazon plants they think as if you know it's it's not important that i'm just doing this for for the sake of you know having something to do but animals are important for our daily lives we we, we depend on them insects all these different creatures so understanding is the main thing we have to have more events in schools more events in 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 the society in 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 the community that brings people especially children and kids towards nature towards the natural world towards animals towards wildlife and and there are different ways in which you can do that for example by having particular spaces in the school where people can invent students and children at young age you know year 2 year 1 can go and look at nature earthworms beetles butterflies and that's where they will find the interest on saving animals and um, understanding about it and bringing people of of my age rosian's age in wildlife i i can tell that before for example there are many many of my friends that um the many people who have who had no idea about nature who were not interested in nature and and rosian himself um loved wildlife from the starting but he wasn't that much into interested into biodiversity and when i brought my specimens i i joined him in my team and all these things he, he became interested so zian from that experience i think you are the best one who you can tell what we can do to inspire um, people to take action you know because let's say hamdan here is a person who like cars um, different people who will be watching these videos will be loving cars as well will be loving technology and may have very less interest in wildlife so what is your message to them what do you think what how can we inspire people of our ages to take action you're unmuted there sorry yeah. about it. i think we can spread awareness by making videos and uh, making articles and then many other ways are there to inspire people and as i said we can tell them how and why we can take them out make them explore nature now when explore i don't mean go up to when the snakes and catch them but like explore them from a distance and we can tell them what's the importance of nature exactly we can have campaigns ocean cleanups and all these things that can get people closer to nature because once they are close to nature that's what the question that i'm always asked is that why are you interested in nature how was you interested is that all of us have the love of nature now if i ask you zayan let's say we are all busy with school and all these things if you say okay what would you like to do you would say that okay i would like to have a house in middle of a forest without any technology or anything i mean that's the question that all of us would say yeah so i think that's the main thing we all love the natural world but the main important is how have we lost that love that interest again we we can do many things as you said campaigns seminars especially during the covid-19 we can have seminars online classes to introduce people to the wild world why are they important and it is you know it has never been more important than it is today earth day to celebrate the magnificent biodiversity of our planet and of course learn how to save it because as we saw during the pandemic many animals across the world used that quiet time lack of people lack of pollution to get closer to our cities closer to ourselves and that means we have got a chance in our hands the way which we can introduce people is making them understand about the natural world making them interested that the natural world you are dependent on it your very life your survival is dependent on it and by making them understand the care will come by itself and it is again by people of course born 
show that care let's say that maybe me and zian are having it they won't go and publicly research on it but if we understand that nature is just lovely and and we have to protect it that's enough what do you think zian yeah i think it, we, if we know the main point is to protect love nature i think yeah, we can save earth we can save nature we can save wildlife we can save extinct brink of extinction of most wildlife species so thank you for all of you for joining today those who are you know seeing the videos it will be available on the youtube channel of the wildlife focus as well as on wide versus as well so you can put your question in the comments and 100% we will reply and of course you have to learn that every day is a day every day is a great chance to take take, take care of our planet take care of ourselves take care of our planet and by doing that we can we can create a world in which we are close to the natural world and which the natural world is closer to us and in which we have health here foods fresh air to breathe and much more a magnificent nature and wildlife filled world so what would you like to say zian your conclusion i think in today's lesson i hope you learn why we should save nature and what happens if we save nature and how do we save nature and earth so happy birthday to all and uh, i wish the best for all of you exactly so once again thank you for joining us today every day is a day together we all stand keeping our planet in our alive and rewilding our planet thank you very much for joining us today make sure you have an amazing earth day make every day earth day and take care of your planet